Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hello everyone, it's here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. Motown Billy's back again. <laughs> Hello, Freak family. It's the uh, Box of Oddities, and we're glad you're with us again. <laughs> you're punchy because you've been working so many late hours recently. It's true. I'm very excited. I really, really love my job and I'm kind of starting to get to the hang of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes a while before you kind of feel like, oh, okay, this is what I do. Sure. Went to the new job. And so this is what I do. And I really, I love it. It's, I work uh, customer service uh, for a well-known furniture brand. And um, it's it's a blast. I have so much fun with it. And yeah. My guess is that uh, if somebody calls to return something and they get you, they're going to get more than just the return accomplished. They're going to get a little bit of a show. That No, that's not true. I just do my job and I, I feel like I'm, I'm efficient, but I'm also, I'm very forgiving because, you know, I mean, I think that everyone has a story and, mm -hmm. you know, the, for instance, you remember the salt incident. The salt incident. No. Okay. So maybe two years ago, my sister, ooh, the bottom of your feet are grimy and you just rubbed them against me. Ugh. I'm a poor farm boy. <laughs> my sister, um, who is uh, lovely and a treat, uh, but also has some interesting quirks, mm -hmm. she 
sometimes will wake up in the middle of the night not realizing that she's still technically asleep and then shop online. <laughs> she sleep shops. Yeah. That's so right. I tend to be really forgiving with the returns because I understand that things happen. And one time, uh, my lovely sister got a package in the mail with 16 pounds of pink Himalayan salt. <laughs> that she ordered while dozing. While sleeping. Oh, my. Yep. Have you ever had an experience like that? What, what, is, what is the strangest reason that somebody wanted to have something returned? Well, it, it wasn't a return, but it was an instance where they got the wrong item and they had ordered a really uh, beautiful silver family sign. So it was silver letter blocks that's, that said family for over the fireplace. I got you. It was lovely. And she was explaining to me that she ordered this silver block letter thing and it was supposed to arrive and she got the package and she opened it up and it was a chicken <laughs> you gotta tell it the way that she did <laughs> what i ordered was not inside the box it was a chicken <laughs> i said um excuse me and she said it is a gray and white chicken it is not what i ordered <laughs> <laughs> so like, so you didn't give her any flack you just gave her her money back i said oh my goodness is it like a chicken photo or a chicken she said it is a 17 inch tall gray and white chicken it is not what i and i was like okay i understand <laughs> it is a chicken statue it is not what you ordered okay. let's do this uh, i get it all right will you go first Today, I'm going to talk about weird things that have rained from the sky. Ooh. And we're going to start with blood rain. Blood? Yep. It's the Kerala Red Rain Phenomenon. It was a blood rain event that occurred in 2001 so from actually the 25th of July to the 23rd of September, 2001. And there were heavy downpours of red-colored rain falling sporadically on the southern Indian state of Kerala, staining clothes pink. There were reports of yellow, green, and black rain reported as well. The yellow rain, I think, would bother me the most. Really? Yeah. I think I would be the most concerned about my black mind, rain. My mind immediately would go to urine. Oh, so it's yeah. urine falling from the sky. Sure. I get it. I get it. Okay. All right. Uh, colored rain was also reported in 1896 and several times since. Most recently, in June of 2012, and from the 15th of November 2012 to the 27th of December 2012 in eastern and north central provinces of Sri Lanka. Following a examination in 2001, it was initially thought that the rains were colored by fallout from a hypothetical meteor burst, but a study commissioned by the government of India concluded that the rains were actually colored by airborne spores. Ah. That it was like a terrestrial green algae um, that ended up becoming part of the rain. And so that explains the different colors. Um, but I think that would still freak me out, like algae rain all over. And Yeah. 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 Red rain immediately conjures up uh, images of um, the apocalypse. Right. And I think, you know, we think of rain as being something that cleans stuff, that mm. washes things away. But instead, this rain is dumping stuff on you. And that's... It's th making things grosser. Yeah, and it stains your Frankie Says Relax t-shirt pink. No one needs that. All right, how about spiders? There are many videos of uh, spiders raining from the sky. Uh, you'll see that especially from Brazil. Also, uh, lots of times in 
Australia, you'll see spiders raining from the sky. And they're not actually raining, of course. It's called ballooning. It's where spiders will go up to a very high spot and then they'll stick their little spider butts out and they'll shoot out their their spider webbingness and then they'll just follow it and let the wind take them as they really? follow that that silky business. I didn't know that, first of all, it was called silky business. And, yeah. and secondly, that uh, they did that sort of thing. Yeah, because you, normally you don't notice it because it's just one or two and they're kind of doing their thing. But every once in a while, a large group of them will do it all at the same time. And it looks like it's raining spiders. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And sometimes they'll they'll shoot out their, their butt silk and, <clears throat> and not follow it. And it'll just be like... The sky is filled with these weird strings of silky butt silk, and yeah. Is that is that just typical for South America, or is it? Is no, it... it's also happened in Australia. Um, there are spiders all over the world that do this, but they're the only cases that I know of where it's been documented of large numbers of them doing it at the same time, creating panic because it's raining spiders. Sure, um, has been in. Um, South America and in Australia. It's raining spiders. Oh my God. It's raining. <clears throat> tadpoles. No. Clouds of dead tadpoles oh. appear to have fallen from the sky in a series of episodes in a number of cities in Japan. In one incident, a 55 year old man who was caught in a tadpole downpour described hearing a strange sound. Uh, in a nearby parking lot, when he looked out, he saw tadpoles just falling onto cars, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. What goes through a person's mind? How, how does one try to logically explain the circumstance to oneself? I can't even imagine. No. Wow. No, it's like you said, apocalypse. Something's, yeah. something's gone horribly it's wrong. the end of the world as we know it. Dead tadpoles downpours were also reported uh, by local officials a couple days later in a nearby town to this one. So it seems to have been something that that was, you know, a regional issue. No big deal. These kinds of showers have taken place not just with tadpoles, but with fish. Fish have been raining from the sky. I've, I've heard about, about that. Frogs, birds, of course. Birds, like entire flocks of dead birds. I think it happened in Arkansas. Well, birds are not because of the same phenomena. Tadpoles, fish, um, frogs, those are all thought to have occurred because of water spouts. Right. Birds R raining from the sky would be different. Yeah, they're already in the sky, so it's not quite as dramatic. Right. Yeah, they've flown into a cloud of something and it killed them, and that's tragic. But then, you know, you've got 80,000 blackbirds raining down upon you. Right. That's um, no fun. But uh, but the tadpole thing would... For, and the fish, when I've heard of that, is have they determined that that's actually the cause, water spouts? Or um, is that just a theory? Has anybody seen that happen? Well, it's that's the predominant theory uh -huh. is that okay. that water spouts, um, which, it, in case you're not familiar, a water spout is a like a vortex, like a funnel shaped cloud that occurs over a body of water. It's like a water tornado, and it and it kind of yeah, like yeah, and so that's maybe how spiders do it too, and and that's where we get itsy bitsy spider crawled up the water spout. Well, no, the spiders are shooting out their, oh, their yeah, butt silk. That's right. 
butt silk. Water spouts are found mostly in the tropics and subtropical areas, uh, but they've also occurred in Europe and Australia, New Zealand, and on rare occasions, the Great Salt Lake has seen water spouts that have hmm. picked up schools of fish or what have you, and then dropped it down a little bit later somewhere else, which is kind of freaky. But I think probably the, the freakiest shower of all is the Kentucky Meat Shower. What? The Kentucky Meat Shower was an incident <laughs> that occurred for a period of several minutes in March of 1876, where uh, what appeared to be flakes of red meat fell from the sky in a 100 by 50 yard area near the settlement of Rankin in Bath County, Kentucky. Most of the meat pieces were approximately five centimeters square. At least one was 10 centimeters square. The phenomenon was reported by Scientific American, the New York Times, and several other publications at the time. The meat appeared to be beef, uh, but, according, <laughs> but according to the first report in Scientific American, two gentlemen who tasted it judged it to no. be mutton or venison. Don't eat sky meat. I think that's a really good general rule. Yeah. Don't eat sky meat. This was an article in the New York Times. <clears throat> Flesh descending in a shower. Fresh meat like mutton or venison falling from the clear sky. Louisville, March 9. The Bath County News of the State says on last Friday a shower of meat fell near the house of Alan Crouch, who lives some two or three miles from the Olympian Springs in the <laughs> southern portion of the county. Covered a strip of ground about 100 yards in length and 50 wide. Mrs. Crouch was out in the yard at the time, engaged in making soap, when meat, which looked like beef, began falling around her. That's about as long as I can handle That's, doing that accent. That, that is an amazing. You, say, you know what? You sounded like the Hindenburg crash guy, announcer guy. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> oh, the humidity. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a stretch. Right. Sorry about that. Dr. Alan McLean Hamilton appeared in the medical record, stated that the meat had been identified as lung tissue from either a horse or a human infant. The and and guys were eating it. Gross. Well, they had to give it a taste. The uh, apparently, this is interesting. I didn't know this. The structure of the organ in those two cases, horses and human infants, are almost identical, which is amazing. Lung tissue? Yeah. Um, The makeup of the sample was backed up by further analysis with two samples of the meat being identified as lung tissue, three as muscle, and two as cartilage. So it was just various bits. So what was their best guess for the cause of this? Like a a water spout at a slaughterhouse? (laughs) Well, there were a lot of different theories thrown around. Uh, Locals favored the explanation that the meat was being vomited up by buzzards. (laughs) Those are simpler times. (laughs) I like that one best. Let's just stay with that. In March of the next year, there was a, a report of a shower over London that consisted of red corpuscles. Okay. Um, not a lot of info on that one. Just leave it at that. It can shower gross things, is basically the point. Ew. That is fascinating. And so uh, next winter, mm-hmm. when we have a prediction uh, of you know 16 inches of snow sure. here in Maine... I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to be grateful that it's not horse lung tissue. 
Right. Yes. I think that's a really, yeah, that's a nice way to look at things. It's a glass is half full kind of attitude, and I like it. Unfortunately, the glass is half full of corpuscles. The end. The end. It looked so much bigger in the full color brochure. This is the Box of Oddities. This episode, the thing in the middle, historical euphemisms for human genitalia. Number five, from 1600, female, Cicely Bum Trinket. That sounds like a, like a old school aristocratic woman. <laughs> I'm Cicely Bum Trinket. Don't you dare speak to me that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's from now on, when, I, when I'm feeling uppity, I'm going to refer to myself as Cicely Bum <laughs> Number four, from the early 1960s, male, Mutton Dagger. From 1822, female, Mrs. Fobbs Parlor. <laughs> From 1830, male, Doodle Flap. And number one from 1722, male, the Silent Flute of Joy. Did we even need to say that that was male? Mm. And here's yeah. a bonus one from 1929, male, Meat Whistle. There are so many. We... Really, this could be an entire episode, but I don't think that I would, uh, I don't understand, okay, I, basket of meat, <laughs> what? That could go either way. That sounds insulting. Mm. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. You can get a hold of us uh, on the email electronic machine uh, at curator at theboxofoddities.com, which is where we received this email from Christine. Hi, I first got to say you two are great together. Fun listening to stories and real life tidbits that make me laugh and go, ah, and ew, <laughs> at the same time, and also make me Google strange things. <laughs> yep, that's our mission. <laughs> yeah. uh, after a recent video of a man taunting a bison, I began to wonder how many folks have actually died in Yellowstone's geological features. Not many, but it's a terrible way to go. Uh, which brought me around to Darwin Awards. What's your take on those? Are Ooh. we destined to live in a world portrayed in idiocy? I'm beginning to wonder that myself, Christine. I just saw that dumb, dumb bison video, by the way. It's so weird that that, that came up, and I saw it like the next day. And so, yeah, um, it, uh, people. Yeah. Make better choices. Now, I'm sure everybody knows what Darwin Awards are, mm -hmm. uh, chlorinating the gene pool, they say. It's a, a tongue-in-cheek fictitious award given to people who have died by doing stupid things. Right. It's kind of a survival of the fittest type. Yeah, exactly. View of things. Well, she included a link to this story. And again, this comes from the DarwinAwards.com. Guy named Colin Scott, 23, was enjoying a graduation vacation at uh, Yellowstone National Park when the beautiful pork chop geyser hot spring reminded him that he could use a good soak. But hot potting is forbidden. You shouldn't do that at Yellowstone because there's one good reason you will die. Um, still. Good enough for me. This was college graduation and he was excited. So the Portland resident thought his education conferred the smarts to know when to break the rule. So he left the boardwalk mm. and went up a hill in search of a private hot pot soaking spot. In this area of the park, thin mineral crusts that resemble solid ground conceal scalding hot water pools. But he avoided these unseen pitfalls and found a secluded spring. 
recorded on unreleased video, Colin is seen reaching down to check the temperature, slipping and falling into the boiling acidic water. Uh. That was the beginning of the end for him. Chemistry students will be uh, familiar with the properties of a turbulent hot acid solution. A uh, significant amount of rapid d- dissolving was underway while recovery workers were struggling with dangerously unstable ground uh, and a lightning storm all at the same time. When they finally reached the spring the next day, the water had pretty much finished the work, only a wallet and flip-flops were left. Oh, my. I had no idea it would work in that kind of fashion. Yeah. yeah. Park Superintendent Dan Wink stated the obvious, quote, The tragic event must remind all of us to follow the regulations. College graduates are no exception. The Darwin Award sincerely hopes this misadventure will serve as a warning to others. Wow. Oh, my. So I started digging into Darwin Awards. Here's a few of them for you. I'm so excited. First of all, let me just tell you my favorite one. I don't have it in front of me. This is one I remember from reading a while back. It was the 4th of July, and it was in, I believe, Utah. And this one guy decided that he was going to be thrifty Mm. and make his own fireworks. What? And so he had um, in his basement a, uh, a, a reloading ammunition station where, you know, you take the, the black powder and you refill the bullets and, you know, it's, it's a hunting thing. Oh, sure. So he took a bunch of black powder and he took a toilet paper tube and he put duct tape on one end of it and he filled it with black powder. Oh, and, yeah. And then he put duct tape on the other end of it uh-huh. and then he stuck a fuse in it and he went out into the desert to light it. It was going to be a big firecracker. So he uh, he has this in his hand and he takes his lighter out of his pocket and he lights the fuse. And then he takes the toilet paper tube and sticks it between his legs while he puts his lighter back in his no, pocket. Yeah, stop that. Yeah, he didn't have a long enough fuse and it blew his meat whistle off. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Wait, did he survive? No. Oh, no. No. No, so it blew more than his meat whistle off. Then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think that's what led to the ultimate demise. Although, sure. that's a good point. You know, when people do blow their genitals off and survive, they're still allowed to win a Darwin Award because they can't uh, procreate. Oh, okay. So, so there you go. I was going to say something about donkeys, but I don't remember <laughs> if that's accurate or not. Okay, never mind. Go okay. ahead. All right. In 1999, a bunch of friends were jet skiing. And apparently one of the guys who was, uh, this was on uh, Lake Washington, and one of the guys realized that the battery was getting low on his jet ski. So he pulled it toward the shore and he moored his jet ski and ran to get a set of jumper cables. That didn't end well. He plugged the ends into a 110-volt outlet and then ran down to the water's edge carrying the crocodile clips. Unfortunately, he didn't stop at the water's edge and waded out into the water. No. Yeah. I mean, was it just like the the fun and excitement of the day that overwhelmed him and made him forget about the basics of electricity? Or I don't. I'm not sure. Okay, but uh, he did not make it. No. In 2002, uh, a bunch of friends in Maidenhead... So often it starts with, a bunch of friends were drinking. In 2002, a bunch of friends were drinking. (laughs) Actually, no, they weren't drinking at this point, but they were inspired by what they saw. A couple of uh, parking garages with a gap between the two-story car parks, about a 40-foot drop to the ground. And they decided, one of them did, that he was going to run and jump over the gap 
into the next parking garage. Uh-huh. And he made it. And they were like, "Woo, this is this is fantastic. Let's go down to the pub." So they went down to the pub and they drank several pints. And then on the way home, they, they thought they'd do it yeah, again. No. Yeah. He threw himself into the gap again but lost his balance on the far side and fell 40 feet onto the solid concrete. Oh. And no amount of alcohol can cushion that fall. In Sydney, Australia, in 1990, um, a guy saw a large truck parked outside of a glass recycling company in Alexandria. And he thought, you know what? I'm going to steal the engine. Out of the truck? Out of the truck. So he and a buddy uh, decided that's what they were going to do. And normally when, you know, you steal an engine, you take it from the top and you lift it out with a crane and move it. They thought it would just be easier to unhook it from underneath and let it drop down. That was not a good decision. No, I think I see where this is going. Yeah, it landed on the guy. Mm. It broke loose, landed on his face, killed him instantly. Police guessed that there was at least one other accomplice, judging by the uh, pool of vomit they found under a nearby bush. Now, here's the thing. The the employee that discovered the body the next morning said, you know what, we were going to junk that truck. If he had just asked for it, we would have given it to him. Oh, yeah. Don't steal, kids. No. You'll die. In 1986, in the UK, there was a pretty violent storm. One of the most, well, in fact, it was uh, the most violent storm in 350 years. Winds exceeded 90 miles per hour. Credible amount of damage was done. Oh, was it windy enough to fly using an umbrella like Mary Poppins style? In a roundabout way, that's where I'm getting. Really? What I'm getting at, yes. (laughs) Sorry. Doesn't involve a uh, umbrella. What it involves is a chainsaw. Apparently, there was a a huge poplar tree that was bent way down because of the 90 mile an hour winds and Mm -hmm. had it caught under the edge of this guy's house. So it was like a big, you know, bent down tree. So he couldn't get it out from under the edge of his house. So he climbed up onto the tree with a chainsaw to cut that part off. Yeah. And slingshotted himself into death. He catapulted himself. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yep. Um, His body was found in a neighbor's garden a mile away. Now, now this is what the newspaper said, but there have been people that said, that's impossible. You know, it wasn't, it couldn't have been a mile away. They figured it was more like 80 meters, but still the catapult of death. Oh, my goodness. Don't stand on the branch that you're cutting off, sir. (laughs) In 2002, in Wisconsin, there was a couple that enjoyed playing a little private sexy game. The guy found it um, arousing to have his wife take his empty shotgun and place it against his scrotum and pull the trigger. He found that arousing, apparently. Let's play the game. And so they were playing this game one time. It was a pleasant Friday. Oh, no. He was uh, excited to try it again. The thrill was even greater because his sister had pulled up into the driveway. And so he yelled, shoot him off before she gets here. And she pulled the trigger, but this time the gun was loaded. What? He was admitted into the hospital, a critical condition where he survived. But he, in this case, wins the rarest of honors, the Living Darwin Award, because he, he shot his nuts off. He survived. But no babies. It, no, no, of course. It, it's just, it, it, I'm not one to kink shame. Um, whatever floats your boat. Sure. Except even after the most basic of uh, gun safety courses, I know <laughs> you don't you don't aim a gun at your scrotum. No. Um, and 
the sister pulling into the driveway should have been a sign to cut it out. Yeah. Prepare for company, not prepare for takeoff. Yeah. <laughs> Tidy up, straighten up the living room a little bit in, instead of shooting your meat basket. Exactly. One fateful afternoon, 55-year-old Marco retreated uh, to his semi-detached workshop to make himself a tool for chimney cleaning. The chimney was too high for a simple broom to work. He attached a brush to a chain, and he thought that would do the trick. The chain would help bang things around and weight it down. Sure, sure, sure. But that wasn't enough. He needed something small and heavy to weight it down even more. Like a baby. Well, no, but it probably would have been safer for him if he had used a baby. No. He used a hand grenade. He thought it was the perfect shape. Um, What? Yeah. And it was still filled with explosive material, so Marco turned on his welding apparatus to begin to create an arc between the chain and the grenade. As the metal heated up, the grenade exploded. The force of the explosion killed the guy instantly, blasting shrapnel through the walls of the shed and shattering the windshield of a Mercedes parked outside. His chimney was untouched. That's insane. That is not... I mean, it's not... You can't... mm. (laughs) Nothing about that makes sense. No. I can think of 17 things right off the top of my head that were a better choice than a grenade. Can of soup. Yeah, that's true. But he didn't have it nearby. He would have had to go into the house. Why did he have a grenade nearby? Well, it's a workshop. It's a work. All men have grenades in their workshop or some sort of munitions device. Speaking of grenades, a Croatian guy was killed trying to open one with a chainsaw. He was, he, was, he was trying to retrieve the explosive uh, powder to make firecrackers for New Year's Eve. And so he decided he would open up a live grenade with a chainsaw. That you can't... Again, he probably had it in his workshop. Speaking of manliness... <laughs> is that what it is? <clears throat> yeah. Decided that uh, he was going to kiss a viper on its head. Yeah, you see that a lot. Yeah. Mm. And so he kissed the viper on the head. The viper bit him. Sure. And his friend's like, oh my God, let's get you to the hospital. And he thought better of it. He said, nah, I'm okay. I'm a man. Let's go to the pub. Apparently it takes a couple of hours for the venom to really start to to work with this particular species of viper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets to the bar and he's, he's drinking and then, you know, he dies. Yeah. Was it one of those uh, anticoagulant vipers? No, I'm not so, sure. like, blood started leaking out of his eyeballs and stuff? Because that's going to get into your drink. <laughs> yes. Mm, this tastes like pennies. I don't care for this at all. Oh, whoops. And here's an example of always take your doctor's advice. There was this guy who had some kind of a skin tr- uh, condition. And so they treated it by rubbing a paraffin wax type substance all over his skin in order to to help him heal. And the doctor said, you know, this is a bit flammable. So you're going to want to stay away from open flame sources, which, you know, it's pretty easy to do when you're in the hospital, unless you're a smoker. He, uh, he decided, well, I need a smoke, you know. So he climbs out on the fire escape, ironically, huh? and he lights up a butt. And he's uh, smoking it. You know, he gets that first uh, lung full of nicotine. He's feeling pretty good about sure, it. Sure, you know? sure, sure, sure. He actually finishes the cigarette. Oh, wow. No problem. And then he flicks it onto the fire escape and stubs it out with his heel. What? And his pajamas had soaked up some of the paraffin. Sure. And he just became a human candle. Well, yeah, that's to be expected. That's that. Yeah, they just found a crumpled chard of a guy. Aww. Um, in his pajamas or what was left of them. On the fire escape. On the fire escape. Some of these just make me think about, like, 
is there a frontal lobe injury or something that's gone on? <laughs> like, you know how a huge percentage of people in prison have had frontal lobe injuries because it sure. seriously affects your ability to make good judgments. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've got to assume that these people had fallen off a swing at some point. Maybe, maybe. Or, I don't know. I'm going to end with this one. Several years ago, an adventurous pair decided to take their ropes and repel off the Boone Scenic Valley Railroad train bridge over the Des Moines River. Words can't describe how breathtakingly high this narrow train bridge is over the river valley. The uh, open train rides over the abyss. It's stunningly beautiful, somewhat nerve-wracking. Our adventurers had to be completely fearless because they walked to the middle of this narrow bridge tied off their ropes, and began to repel down the side. But then the train came by on its daily tour of the valley. As it will. Sure. And, and you know, you're thinking, well, they're already off the side of the bridge. They're fine. No, because they tied their ropes to the tracks. And the train went over the ropes <sighs> mm-hmm. and severed them, sure. and they plummeted to their death. Hence the Darwin Award. Now, you're probably asking yourself, How many of these Darwin Award winners are male versus female? Well, the answer is men outnumber women seven to one. I believe that. And the age group, 20 to 29 years old. Yep. About 80% of the Darwin Award winners are 20 to 29 year old men. Now, you keep saying Darwin Award winners. Now, what does that mean exactly? What, uh, who, who goes about naming these people? Some lady named Wendy. It's true. Wendy knows what's up. Wendy is the curator at uh, (laughs) DarwinAwards.com. And uh, there is a very strict criteria of what qualifies. Oh, really? Yeah, you have to be, uh, the the nominee has to be over 16 years of age. Okay, yeah, because that means that your brain has had at least some chance to grow into a fully functioning brain. Right. You have to either have died or been um, maimed in a way that you cannot reproduce. Okay. Now, they don't get a plaque or a trophy or anything. They just get their story printed on the website. That's basically it. They're award winners. Now, I wonder, because they say that your brain isn't fully developed until you're like 21, 22 years old. So I wonder if it's even fair for those 16 to 20, early 20s people to be included. It's the Box of Oddities. We uh, really appreciate all the emails and the uh, comments on our social media where you can find us on a daily basis. We got another photo of someone wearing their Freak Flag t-shirt holding a puppy. And I've got to say, I am pro photos with puppies in them. Just just throwing it out there. Are you going to post that one? Yeah. You should definitely post that one. The Box of Oddities, twice a week now. We'll see you on Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities and Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. 
You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 